This is Growing Up Italian, live from Chicago. I got Mike from Hardcore here and a very special guest, Mike Gentili, author of Mob Adjacent. Um, how are you, Mike? I'm good. It's good to be here with you guys to try to get the word across about Italian society. We're a little different than the norm. My upbringing is probably not a lot different than uh, most Italian kids. We just were either smart or dumb enough to put it in print so we could be blamed for it. <laughs> yeah, I actually watched some of your uh, YouTube videos. I didn't, I didn't buy your book yet, which is... Oh, that's right. We'll, we'll, we'll give you one. Nice. You guys from New York come here. We'll give you a book. <laughs> we got a box full of them back here. Yeah. But, uh, your, uh, your YouTube series, you, you did a bunch of like five, seven minute episodes. It's like 10 episodes. So I liked it. It's like, instead of watching an hour episode on Netflix... <laughs> you know what we did? We just took some of the stories that we knew were going to be, because at, at the time of the videos, we didn't even have a book yet. We were just in the idea of getting the stories out there and seeing if we got any re reaction from America on the stories. Limited views. You know, people were seeing it, but it certainly wasn't nothing that was going to be making an impact. So my brother, who's a professional writer, decided maybe we should write a book. And as the book progressed... We kept thinking, hmm, we might be onto something here. Mm -hmm. As the book got better and as the book progressed and as we let strangers outside of our family circle read it, we thought we were in a pretty good spot. And as it turns out, the finished product came out even better than we could have hoped for. We're getting an awful lot of regional play, but what we need is we need a publisher with a distribution, a distribution so we could get it in the airports, so we can get it into Costco where people are buying paperback books. Right now... Barnes & Nobles. That, like that kind of stuff. Yeah. I mean, you know, in, in order for it to really penetrate the whole entire country, someone other than my brother and I and Hardcore Italian has to push it. Because that's, sure. that's where all the heat is coming from now. We're, mm -hmm. we're pushing it ourselves, and we're on Amazon. We're selling three, 400 a month on Amazon. Which See, that's amazing. It is. And I'll tell that's you what, amazing. here, you know, not to put any feathers in our cast because all it is right now is a... It's a work of, of, of heart and art. My, my brother put his soul and heart into it because he's an author. And to have a book being accepted the way this one's being accepted is, is you know, flattering and heartwarming. And the money is secondary, believe it or not, because fortunately, not that we're by any means wealthy, but we're both okay. He mm -hmm. makes a lot of money. I make a yeah. lot of money. And this was more, I've got a... I got an army. I got 14 grandkids, and I've got a great-granddaughter already, and I thought that this would be something for as they get older to read. I've got two grandsons, one 22 and one 19. I made them read the book. They look at Oh, the really? They read it already? You know, the whole thing about a book is the story stays the same. A lot of times when you hear stories, Absolutely. they get changed, like a game of telephone. Absolutely. You know, it starts like this and it ends like that. You know, it's funny you say that because we were told a lot of these stories by my dad's older brother, who was 15, 16 years older than my dad, and my dad's older sister, and then my dad. And three stories, three different stories about the same thing. <laughs> exactly. So and we so put it there, and like now that. you're exactly right. Those stories are going to stay exactly the same until somebody starts to burn books. <laughs> and Mike, too, I want to ask, because I remember you were telling me before, like, 
not everything in your book you were proud of doing and stuff like that. So you have no shame in telling like well, here, your grandkids here, here's, reading here's it or it. Yeah, yeah. Here I am, sixty two and a half years old. I look in the mirror every other day when I shave and I like the guy I see. Mm-hmm. So if I had to step through all of that gagad to get to where I am today, yeah, it's a little bit shaky for me when my two grandsons think that it's cool. Yeah, some like some of the things that I did that aren't cool. So that's what I'm saying. They look like when you say they look at you different. Like what is the what I, what, what think, changed there after they read the book? You know, I think just... they're you know because they live in Florida. I come down and I am I am different than everything they see. <laughs> yeah, you know I got mean? you. They so don't they, see yeah. Mike Gentile down in Florida. I don't exist down there. Yeah. I come down there and I take over and I got gravy cooking over here and I'm making, they don't eat like that. Yeah. And I'm loud and I'm big. <laughs> I take up a lot of room and I move fast. You know what I mean? And they're like this, you know? <laughs> and a lot of the questions were about some of the stuff that you're talking about that I wasn't real proud of. Mm-hmm. Some of the physical stuff, some of the, you know, when you grow up mob adjacent and one time that relationship gets you out of trouble, now you start to think that you're bulletproof. Yeah. That, you know, you can do pretty much whatever you want because you can call Uncle Tony or you can call Uncle Jim and someone's going to make nice, nice for you. Yeah, you're, And that happened to me a lot in the 70s because of the positions that my pop put me in. You know, mm-hmm. bring these boxes of produce over here. No, it's not until years later I realized that these are notorious mobsters mm-hmm. that I'm delivering boxes of produce to. I'm enamored by that. <laughs> I, I'm getting up every morning at 3 o'clock in the morning to go to work like a goof. These guys are in a tavern dressed like a million dollars. They all got Cadillacs and Oldsmobile 98s outside with pockets full of money. Mm-hmm. And they're sleeping till noon. And this is the life that my father walked away from. Mm-hmm. He said, you know, actually, there was a lot of circumstances that made him totally walk away. But I couldn't understand at that point. Why would you want to work like an animal? <laughs> and as it turned out, he was, he is, as always was, exactly spot on right. It's not the life. I wouldn't be here talking to you guys today yeah. if I'd have been able to follow the path that I wanted to follow when I was 21 years old. I had a fruit market, and I was doing really good for a 21-year-old guy just married. Really good. But I didn't think I was doing good because I would go bring these boxes to these 23-year-old guys who had 21-year-old guys bringing them money all the time. <laughs> Meantime, I, I got to get up at 3 o'clock. And when I first started in the produce business, the market was a real extravaganza because it was such a big, big place and so many houses and you'd spend four or five hours a day on that market before you even went to work. I mean, you, you, you didn't even consider that work because the work was taking the produce back to where, where you were working and selling it. That was mm-hmm. the work. But what, what went into making that work was craziness. If I wouldn't have been set right when I was... 21, 22 years old, I probably, and I said it a minute ago, wouldn't be here. I wouldn't be here. Yeah, I got you. That magnet of of shiny stuff, and I was enamored with it. And, you know, you you talked to me about before, about growing up down the block from where they filmed and where the guys all hung out from Donnie Brasco. That's real stuff. You don't even know before you got here to meet me that you were mob adjacent. You don't even know. Hmm. Your cousins, your mother, your father, your brother. Everyone's mob adjacent. The problem, Mike, was... um, I want to say, like, that all disappeared when I started, like, when I was, like, 15 years old. So, like, my family's mob adjacent, like you said, not me, because they saw all the stories. But I remember walking past that club and seeing 
all the guys outside hanging out. Yeah, exactly. You know what I mean? And Mike, uh, why don't you tell us too a little bit about like how you're growing up, how you realized you were mob adjacent, what it means to be mob adjacent, who you were growing up around. I love the like... name because that's adjacent's a mad thing. Right uh, okay, now, I think it, it sums it up perfect what your story word, is. You know? yeah, yeah. Pretty big word. And from the my dad was born October 29, 1929. For those of you who aren't real big date guys, that's the date the stock market crashed. Oh, wow. That's the, the day. My father wow. was born. And over here, people are jumping out of windows. And over here on Amber Losing Day everything Grand, they have. Losing everything they had. Things were good or even better for the Gentiles because we were peddlers. We had our trucks. Yeah. And we had our horses and wagons. And my uncle was going up one set of alleys. And my grandpa was going up another set of alleys. And business was fine. Mm-hmm. They weren't affected because people still had to eat. That's eat. I hear that a lot because I'm in the food business too. Huh? Listen, Mike and I, what Mike and I do, what Mike's dad does, we feel it's vital. We feed, we feed Chicago. Close down the, 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 the market where we live, and I say live because we're there 10, 12 hours a day, <laughs> five, six days a week. It's like yeah, live there. bright and early. And the whole entire city stops. Restaurants really? can't do what they do. Food pantries can't do what they do. So it's something as people would think, you sell fruit for a living. It's vital, kids. Yeah. What we do is vital. To, to talk a little bit about what you do, because you, you distribute fruit and vegetables, right. right? So I have a friend in New York that does the same thing you do, and um, a little bit of how his operation works, because he doesn't have a warehouse. So let's say he gets all his orders for that day, and he has to go to Hunts Point, pick up, Everything he needs yeah. and deliver it that day. Yeah, that, like yeah. So there is a lot of people. So the restaurants, exactly. Yeah. So like, let's say that's hustling too. Yeah. At two in the morning, you said, right? Those are our customers. Those guys, those guys you just described are the guys who come in by Mike and I and buy, buy you. Every day. Okay. That's who we sell to. And yeah. I mean, we sell to the food service companies and we sell to the companies that own multiple grocery stores. But those guys that you just described, there's 100%. dozens and dozens and dozens yeah. of them who just work their truck as their warehouse. They get their orders on a fax at their house. Mm-hmm. And God bless them. Yep. They're out there earning a living. And That's they're exactly also it. vital. Yeah. Back to Mike's mob adjacent. Yeah, there you go. When, when things were bad, like I said, in the 20s and 30s, things were good for the Gentiles. Mm-hmm. When things went into the 40s, so now my dad had to be a teenager. There was a guy that lived right across the street from my dad. And you guys all remember the movie The Godfather with the mm-hmm. guy with the white suit, who, Godfather 2, who... They killed, what was his name, Fanucci, I think his yeah, name was. Yeah. It was the Black Hand. The Black Hand was the guy from Sicily that they sent over there, and they policed each and every neighborhood. Well, this guy happened to live directly across the street from my grandma and grandpa. My dad played with his son. They were friends until the day both of them died. And uh, this guy put a, a whack on every single guy in the neighborhood. Whoever, if you had a baker, if you were the candlestick maker, if you were the peddler, Every Friday he'd come and he'd take $6 from you and you'd do more business, so he'd take $9 from you. Yeah. And everybody was on the arm. But it was good because he lived in that neighborhood. It was the safest neighborhood in the city. Nobody fucked with nobody there. It's okay to swear. Yeah, yeah you're good. Absolutely. Yeah, don't Absolutely. worry about it. And ask those guys at the radio, <laughs> the guys with the five-second delay going, nah, you nah, stay on the up No, 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 You can say whatever you want. Anyway, yeah. it's just part of the Italian vernacular, I guess. It's just another Yeah, definitely. Age I was going to, yeah. But anyway, uh, you know, things are business normal. Grandpa pays his stuff and, you know, hello and goodbye to Don Vigenzine across the street. 
The Cheese King, right? The Cheese King, King of See, the Chicago Cheeses. <laughs> I told you I watched, uh, I watched the those video. videos. And anyway, then now you know. It's true. So, <laughs> it's true. <laughs> I don't it's know what right. that was, but... Anyway, Grandpa helped the, the, the Cheese King out. The Cheese King's catching a whooping in an alley from a couple of drunks. So Grandpa goes in the alley with the thing in his hand, a bing, bang, boom. The, 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 boop, boop, everybody goes away. Now the following Friday, no $7 for Grandpa. He was good. He was good. And, and one of the things that my grandpa did for entertainment, and again, if you saw the YouTube video, he used to go to the Cubs games. On Sunday, home was the only day he could go because he didn't work on Sundays. Mm-hmm. You, got all the, you got all the Cubs games Cubs, every Sunday. Every Sunday games, and instead of being in the bleachers, he got box seats for him and his two boys. That's amazing. And then two years later, they, 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 uh, they put the, the Cheese King to sleep. The guys who put the Cheese King to sleep were the guys who my father was friends with and went to school with. Because what they did was they said, you can still be the boss and you want to collect from the Polish people and the Irish people and, and the Lithuanian people. Go ahead, knock yourself out. Leave the fucking Italian people alone. I like that. And he said, you know, told me what to do. And they shot him once and wounded him. They went back wow. and said, listen, we're not about killing Italian people and you can still make your living. Stop taking the, the, the Italian people in the neighborhood. He wouldn't do it. Following Saturday, he went up to his summer home. He had a summer home in Lake Zurich. Got his wife out of bed, put her outside the door, and cut him in two. Ended the cheese king. But our mob adjacents that started with him followed up with some of the guys who had to do with the cheese king's demise. Mm-hmm. With my dad doing them yeah, Mike, little t- favors. You say, because I know you say in your book too all the time, don't you say it's like the post Capone? What does guys, that have to do? You well, know what I mean? Like, was he, when was he up. around? And yeah, well, he, figured, he was probably from the 27-ish all the way through Prohibition. So mm-hmm. I'm thinking that maybe in 32, 33, 34, guys like Sam Giancana, who wound up being, obviously everybody knows who he is, of course. was, yeah. was probably a teenager with this street gang called the 42 gang. That's where... All of the, when I say post, when, you know, when Capone wound up going to jail and he lost his mind when he was in jail. And anyway, with syphilis, he was a total, you know, he had nothing left when he came out of jail. And they made yeah. Frank Nitti the boss. And then when Frank Nitti got indicted, he was a, a, a square peg in a round hole, wound up shooting himself. That's when a guy by the name of Tony Accardo, who was a bodyguard for Al Capone, those guys who wound up taking the mob from the 40s, all the way through as we sit here today doing this podcast, those are the post-Capone mobsters that my father benefited from by being a stand-up kid in a neighborhood mm-hmm. who never was arrested mm-hmm. and never would rat. and Kind of like uh, the Bronx Tale. Well, yeah, like, that's what I'm like thinking too, Gaudier. like De Niro and yeah. yeah, and if, you have a, yeah. if you have a guy who is successful in business who doesn't have a problem with sharing the limelight with other guys. You know, my father opened up a tavern, and the guys that he's with come in, and they don't necessarily make them his their partners. They come in and they put, back then, cigarette machines, jukebox machines, condom machines. Guy over here on the corner, he's lending out juice money. Guy over here's got a handbook. Well, all of those things, my father would get a little piece of. And then he would give them a little piece of the tavern. And because every place that he ever had was so successful, 
Jack Cerrone, who was another one of those guys who wound up coming up and being a boss, noticed my father's abilities. Gotcha. So whenever they had a place that they wanted, so my father was buying his own places and then he was not allowing them, but that's the way things worked back then. Come and put all of these other money-making mm-hmm. entities into the bar. And, you know, the last one that he had was directly across the street from the traffic court. Uh, it's called The Bridge. And uh, if, if he wouldn't have sold it when he sold it, the Greek guy that he sold it to kept it for 40 years after my father sold it. It was wow. such a lucrative spot. Wow. Good business. Yeah. A good business. I mean, there was just nothing but people day in and day out mm-hmm. because of the courthouse. And it became a, kind of a hangout for mob guys and lawyers. And, uh, you know, when, when a guy had a case across the street, it was, well, me to sit at the bridge and the lawyers and the, the defendants would talk about it. And you would go in there and there'd be copper, 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 judge, criminal, criminal, lawyer, lawyer, everybody eating and drinking together. And when my father left that place, he left it to my Uncle John, who uh, wanted to be with my dad real bad. My dad's brother was, um, he wasn't my dad. He was older, but he just, he didn't have the, the tangy zip of Miracle Whip that my dad had, you know. Different, a little different. A little different. Yeah. So he followed my dad to the nightclub and wound up selling a very, very lucrative situation for almost nothing. For literally gave it away in 1962 for 20, 30 grand. It was ridiculous. I mean, in those days, they were doing huge business when drinks were 50 cents. Yeah, exactly. You know That's I mean? crazy. So, Mike, we're, um, when did you and your brother come in uh, all this and start realizing you were around these guys and... Well, here, we're, we're 10, 11 years old. We just moved to, well, we moved to Bellwood. We lived on Grandin, Aberdeen, where the whole entire mob adjacent thing sprung up out of. Mm-hmm. And we moved to Bellwood, which was just a western suburb. We were another suburban kid going to Catholic schools. And, but because of the business that Dad was in, they would work all night. So at 11, 12 o'clock, guys would be coming over to the house all the time. Uncle Tony, Uncle Jack, Uncle Skip, just uncles. Guys, you're not related to <laughs> you. This is how you were respectful and how you said Absolutely. You weren't going to call the guy Tony. You were going to say Uncle Tony, even though, yeah. how's he my uncle? Don't yeah. worry about it. Just call him Uncle Tony was the answer to that question. <laughs> yeah, that's how it so, goes. So all those guys are coming over, and we're, you know, it's pretty cool. I mean, they're all got mm-hmm. the big fancy cars. They're all in this sit down. My mom, who wants a sandwich, who wants a piece of cake, and my mom would be waiting. On yeah, so... Team. You guys were looking up to those guys, kind of? Well, not so much Jeff. Jeff didn't understand. I was. Yeah. I was enamored from from the beginning because mm-hmm. I thought, I don't know, I, di- I didn't think what, what it turned out to be because I wouldn't have had any idea what that was at 10 years old. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking. Like, we were old enough to read the newspaper and Suburban Man indicted mm-hmm. in multi-state gambling ring and you take it and say, whoa. That's my and uncle, there, uncle yeah, and, Tony. Yeah, and there's Uncle Tony. <laughs> that's my Uncle Tony. <laughs> Apparently he's going to jail for five years, Uncle Tony. So from that point on, I stopped reading the sports section in the newspaper first. I swore on my grandkids. You started looking for your. I started sports. look. I started looking for anything mob related. Well, I, I wanted to see who got pinched, and then if somebody got pinched, I would go to my dick. You know this guy. You so that it, it took that one article for one you article. to just realize, one like, article. wow, this is something this is for real. more than I like thought it was. Well, or, I didn't think it was anything. Except yeah. I thought here, first line in the book is when you're a kid. What happens to you every day, you think it's normal. Mm-hmm. Well, I thought that everybody's had honorary Uncle Tony's and Uncle Skip's and Uncle Jimmy's. And it wasn't until I started, you know, getting more involved with the neighbors' families that I realized that we were pretty much, geez, 
solo on our block. Didn't, yeah. you, didn't you have a Frank Sinatra story? I, Not I mean, so much a Frank Sinatra story as a, as a Sam Giancana story. Here, we, we talked, just talked about that place, The Bridge. My father left that place for a, a nightclub on Mannheim Road, which was in the 60s, just like Vegas. Got with it. the gambling and the prostitution, but the gambling was in the back room and the prostitution yeah, was in yeah. the back room. But all illegal. All illegal, but everything else was the same. The dining, the entertainment. I mean, Frank Sinatra and the Rat Pack, here, if, if this is where the Sahara Inn was, my father's club was right next to it, mm-hmm. but my father's club was a small, indiscreet place in the basement, and he had a show called Mr. Crisscross. And what it was, was it was cross-dressers. It was men dressed as women doing shows as women. Now, think about how odd, not maybe don't call it odd, but how controversial that was back then. 1962. Turns out, guys, that there was a law in Illinois that said a man could not wear a dress in public. It was against the law. Even and if they were even performing? If they, even if they were performing, it was against the law. It was wow. obviously not in, endorsed. Nobody was getting arrested. But yeah. because of my father's Bob adjacents again, there was just a ton of heat on the club, and they used to bother my dad all the time with questions. And the FBI would come to the house and, you know, ask all kinds of questions that he didn't have the answers to. You know, he, if he did, obviously he wasn't saying anything, but he didn't have the answers. But as it turned out, he, he walked away from that life too because he didn't want to be a puppet. That's what happens. You work with them long enough. They tell where you where you gotta go and you gotta go. So, what we're what we're what we're thinking about is a a pretty glitzy life. Father does know best. Yet again, yet again, uh, you know we get distracted and think that our everyday life is humdrum. Nothing's the same every day for me now. I, I enjoy what I do. This thing, this thing that I'm doing with you kids, it's fun for me. Uh, taking a look at my life and how I grew up and, and what I grew up to be is all thanks to that stack of letters and, 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 and pictures in there. You know, it allowed mm-hmm. me to, to, to do a lot of things in my youth that I probably wish I didn't, but I did because I was enamored by that life. And the, if you're bulletproof, you don't think you can do anything wrong, you know, so... Uh, you get in trouble, you know you can make a phone call and hopefully the trouble goes away. And it happened to me in a three or four year period of time when I was really bad. My dad was going to actually let me go to jail to learn the lesson. lesson. Wow. But my mother would have died and couldn't have done that. So I was lucky <laughs> with my mother. You can't let him go to jail no matter what. You've got to sell this house. You can't let him go to jail. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, it, wasn't, it, wasn't, it wasn't, that, wasn't that cut and dried for him. This, this guy is either going to have to stop this or he's going to end up dead. And one of the things that was so good for me is my Uncle Tony had a son who got enamored in this and got caught up in it and wound up getting killed. So he was going to do everything he could to keep me from that happening to me. And on one occasion, when he bailed me out of a, a pretty good jam that I probably would have went to jail for four or five years, I was on wow. probation. And I got in trouble in a bar fight. And... Uh, well, you can't violate your probation in DuPage County and not go to jail, especially if you got a last name that ends with a vowel. <laughs> and I was lined up. I was in the North Lake Police Department with handcuffs on my hands. And he kept telling me on the way in. I called him. 
He said, don't let him fingerprint you. Why am I going to do that? <laughs> Tell him you got to go to the bathroom. Tell him whatever. I'll be there in 20 minutes. Okay, so we get there. I got the handcuffs behind me. They got me sitting there. And uh, I said, listen, I, I, I'm a little nervous now. I got to go to the bathroom. You think I can go to the bathroom? So he takes the handcuffs off. There's one hanging from here. Now I'm sitting in the thing. I got to go to the bathroom. I'm what the fuck is this guy talking about? <laughs> now I hear my Uncle Tony's voice outside. So I said, oh, it's time to pull my pants up and go see what the story is here. Uh, he's out there screaming at the guy, the cop. He's screaming at the cop like he's the boss. Take the handcuffs off that kid right now. He walks into the commander's office, who apparently was a employee of those guys somehow, some way. That's and, crazy. Uh, came out of the office and the guy came and took the other handcuff off my hand, and my uncle had some paperwork in his hand. He got, let's go. Let's go. Okay. Tossed me the paperwork. I said, What do we got to come back next week? He said, Come back. We're done. Say nothing. I get in the car and he goes, like, listen, if you tell your father he's going to be mad at me, and if he's mad at me, I'm going to come back and shoot you in the thigh myself, he tells me. He says, your father would have let you sit there this time. I can't do that, but I also can't ever do this again. It's the last time I ever got pinched. Last time ever. Because I knew. My, my, well, I don't know if I learned my lesson, but I knew my bulletproof days were over. I wasn't going to be able to yeah. call Uncle Tony no more and have him come and get me in the middle of the night. Yeah. So. You can't use those phone calls a lot. It's like you can't one, use too many. Yeah. Because what happens is it's like the boy who cries wolf. You just, one time you're going to call. And I never got to the point where I called and there wasn't the proper response. So, you know, again, here I am, guys, 63 years old. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, whatever criminal record I have is 25 years old. I, I don't think I've committed a speeding ticket in the last 25 years. <laughs> Things have changed, huh? Things have changed a little bit, but you know Mike. what? Uh, again, I'm, I'm very grateful to get my word out because mm -hmm. I think that for those who are young and dumb and feel that that's a life that they should follow, I'm here to tell you that there's a better way to yeah. do it. Mike, too, I want to ask you because I know he was asking about Frank Sinatra. And, oh, we got well, yeah. that. Well, yeah, I want to yeah. ask you, too, just we, I, touch, we, touch on that, too, a little bit. Like, you said that they... I want to know, like, because I remember you said they had to do a politics, too. Like, how did the Chicago mob, like, influence? The JFK election. You know what I mean? Like, go. yeah, exactly. Actually, what? Yeah, yeah I, I, I kind of want to know. Story yeah, too, exactly. The yeah. story and the, 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 the Kennedy story is all the same. So let's, let's just roll back to Giancana. He's having a meeting with Joe Kennedy, who's Jack's father. Mm -hmm. Now, Joe Kennedy, everybody in the world knows, yeah. is just a, a bootlegger, a criminal, who made it through the prohibition as a billionaire yeah. with liquor. He came to Sam Giancana because they knew, because we have so many electoral votes here in Illinois, that if they could swing Illinois, Illinois they, could win the election. they could win the election. So they come to Giancana, and they say, you know, we're giving you guys a whole lot of heat, and if you help us swing this election Jack's way, we'll turn the heat off. Mm -hmm. Well, instead of that happening, obviously, we all know the story, Jack got elected, and then Jack appointed his whiny little brother, Bobby, mm -hmm. as the <laughs> whiny. whiny little brother, Bobby, as the attorney general. And he not only didn't stop, he turned up the heat on all the burners. So Giancana's, what's the word I want to use, conduit 
to the Kennedys was Frank Sinatra. Gotcha. Okay. So when his Rat Pack was playing over here at the Sahara Inn, and my dad's place was a half a block north on the same side of the street, two stories down in the basement, was a great spot where nobody knew where they could meet because there's way too much heat yeah. and tension. Mm-hmm. And Paparazzi. And all kinds of them. stuff. So Sinatra meanders twice over to my father's place. Wow. First thing my brother says is, I've seen that guy on TV. Oh, shut up. <laughs> Turns out, second time he came, it was him. But what, one time in particular, it was Was that like in uh, the climax of his career, would you say? Or? Well, I would, I would think that, you know, because Frank Sinatra's career went so far, I, I would think that was probably more on the cementing his legacy tour, you know, okay. walking yeah. still oh, wow. up the stairs. Probably wasn't so that's when the, he was a superstar. He, like. Well, he probably wasn't a superstar like he ended up to be. Yeah, but, but he, he certainly was someone on the rise and, and certainly a very popular mm-hmm. um, entertainer. Yeah. And Giancana had no more contact with the Kennedys after the election. So his way to get back to the Kennedys was through Frank Sinatra. So they whistled them in. We like to say whistled them in. You know, that's a, a term that they use on the street here when they call you for More a like one of these things. <laughs> exactly <laughs> one of those things. Come over here. Yeah, listen, we got to have you over here now. So he came <laughs> over there, and, and I remember, my brother and I both remember that Mr. Sam, because years later, we said to Dad, you know, we, we, we never met this because Gene kind of wasn't one of the guys who was coming over to the house. You know what I mean? Jack Sharon wasn't coming over. Now, those were two higher-ups. But the, the, the mid-level guys were the guys that my Uncle Tony and Uncle Skip and Uncle Jimmy, those were the mm-hmm. guys that were part of our family, mm-hmm. not the bosses. But we got the, a little glimpse of the bosses at my dad's place because he had a swimming mm-hmm. pool. And, and, you know, all summer long, every Saturday. Swimming we pool, a, huh? Oh, are you kidding me? <laughs> wow. We would be the little princes of the neighborhood. Who, who are we going to pick this week? Who gets to come with us? <laughs> yeah. Anyway, on this one particular time, we see Sinatra show up in a, in a car. He goes downstairs, so, you know, we... We're at the top of the steps. And now we can't hear the content of what they're saying. But they're fucking screaming and swearing. That's for sure. <laughs> about them no good motherfucking this is and that's and that's and this is. And it, apparently it was about the misgivings mm-hmm. that uh, Mr. Kennedy yeah. uh, promised and you know did an about face and went the exact other way. Mm-hmm. So Isn't that how it always goes? Yeah. <laughs> well, I'm not exactly sure if that's how it always goes. But in, in, in this case in particular... I mean, they made some promises to people that I, I think I said it on the show the other day. They probably could have, should have kept those promises. You know how it turned out. Mm-hmm. Both Jake and yeah. I didn't end up too good. Well, you know, to get on that subject a little bit, yeah, I wanna everybody talks too. about JFK got assassinated by the mob. Well, they say that, sure. That's what, that's what everybody says. Mm-hmm. For I'll tell you exactly what, though, you know, saying. if you just look at it from an outsider's point of view and they start plugging in all these things about how much... Jack Ruby actually had to do with the Chicago outfit. For him to be the guy who killed Lee Harvey Oswald, I mean, the guy was going to die in five days anyway. He was so terminal with cancer, it's amazing he could get up that day and go shoot this guy dead. He was that sick of a man, Jack Ruby. So he had literally nothing to lose, and I'm sure someone had probably taken a barrel full of money and given it to Jack Ruby to give to his family because he was going. Yeah. You know what I mean? So he probably was able to leave a huge legacy to by going to do this solid and getting rid of this, what they call him, a lackey or a stooge or whatever they want to call Lee Harvey Oswald. Mm-hmm. Because they say in all different kinds of publications, you know, because we did a lot of research for the book to make sure that we didn't miss, misspeak. Because everything that's in there that has anything to do with criminal activity 
you can find somewhere else. We didn't make yeah. none of it up. None of it is our conjecture. Yeah, it's was, all stuff that was printed elsewhere. I wanted to bring that up too as far as like when you made the book, the people you mentioned because you talk about the mid-level guys coming over the house. Like I know you did like contact some of them too, right? Or do you, do you ever leave out anyone's names or well, do you I, just I'm go right into it? I'm leaving out the names now. It's funny. I went for, I'm going to throw those air quotes up. We're on TV and the radio, but permission. I went to someone who's still in, let's call him involved in that game still. Mm-hmm. Because even though people would like to think organized crime doesn't exist anymore, that's silly. As long as people have needs, there's going to be organized crime. It's there at some level. Some level. Not, Certainly not, not what it used to be. Of course yeah. not. There's no more John Gotti's. There's no yeah, more Albert no. Paul's. That yeah. doesn't exist anymore. Yeah. No. But the guys who are doing it now, they're flying under the radar. But they want to keep their thing sacred still. So I go and I say, here's what we got in mind. He goes, are you going to tell any stories that nobody knows? I said, I don't know any stories that nobody knows. <laughs> And he says, are you going to unveil any big mob secrets? Come on now. Mob secrets do I know? He goes, well, do whatever you want to do. Everybody's dead. And what we did was we put the dead people in to the book just like they were alive. Because during the course of that book, most of them were alive the whole time. Mm -hmm. And how me meeting Uncle Jimmy and Uncle Skip as a 17-year-old really, really helped me as a 22-year-old. No, I, I, so nobody really got mad about anything no. in this book. In fact, I delivered books to, to, to guys that not necessarily are mentioned in the book. In fact, there's a thank you. We use some initials. We thank some guys. We just use their initials because That's good. Their, their whole entire opinion of what we were doing probably, I, I don't know. I know if my dad was alive, we wouldn't have been able to do that. Yeah, they no, my father would have never allowed it. Because mm-hmm. I agree. First of all, we, we, we give up some, and again, I don't want to call them family secrets. It's just things that happened to us that no one knew about, that no one needed to know about. Because like even in today's society, when you see like mob wives, all these shows, oh, it's embarrassing. Lot, though. It is, but a lot of people get upset. Like, why are you going on a mm-hmm. TV show and yeah, doing true. all this? Like growing up, Gotti, that whole show. Oh, like, terrible. Though. Like, it was really bad. It though. was it was all for publicity, you know. Of course, this is more about like pushing the culture forward. And, well, and I, th- I know, think that's why I fit into what you guys do more than anything because not that you guys don't touch on the mob stuff, but this is more mob stuff that is, and again, there's, there's, Part there's of men who die in that book, so yeah. it's not necessarily all amusing. Mm-hmm. But at the end of the day, at the end of the day, everyone in the world knows that life exists. Mm-hmm. You know, if, if that life existed today... No, it doesn't. Yeah. No, it does not. You know, I'm like, too, I bet, like, that's what I'm saying. I feel like a lot of people don't know real stories and stuff. Like, they see the movies and things like that. Like, how would you compare the movies to your book and what happened, well, like, in the, the actual... Movies, some of the movies now, like Goodfellas, for instance, boy, pretty much spot-on stuff. Really? The Godfather not, was... Not real characters, though. Well, in, but... in, in, in Goodfellas, th- those were real characters. I mean, they didn't use... I mean, they used Henry Hill's name. That was a real yeah. name. Oh, was real? They used Jimmy Burke's name. Like, that was a real name. Casino, too, I know they had, like... Casino, they didn't real, have real names, though. No yeah. of them were real names. But that was based off Chicago, too, how they were... Here. Yeah. That, that, that Sending people to Vegas. pretty and, much right on, too. Yeah. You know, there, there's, there's a story in the book about those casino days when my mom and dad... My dad... Uh, when they got married, my grandpa got sick the night they got married, so my mom and dad missed their honeymoon. So now they're married 15, 17 years, and 15 years, I think it was... My dad says, finally going to go on that honeymoon. They're going to go to Vegas. Well, at that point, Chicago owned Vegas. 
go to the Stardust Hotel and, and it was everything was on the sleeve and mm-hmm. sweets and everything else was just comped and it was a vacation of a lifetime. And yet, so it was, it was really movie. like that. It was when really it was like casino? that. Wow. Oh, it was really like that. Casino is one of my favorite movies. Yes, yeah, Goodfellas is is, is 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 another one that pretty much spot on. But if you watch The Godfather, the because that was about nobody in particular, that was all fiction. Yeah. But the applications of the mobdom, it was it was exaggerated because it was the 30s and 40s. That's what I'm saying. What it, like? What don't you see? Anymore. Yeah. What don't you see in the movies that you know what I mean? Or what do you see? Well, like, you what do you? You don't. You don't see the humanity that's involved with these people because all they want you to see is the inhumanity. The killing. The yeah. Killing. You know what I mean? Yeah, you're right. You know, and that's that's why your story is so cool is because it's like the real people. They are They're real not people. some. And you know what I said? I said on yeah. the news. I was on the Channel Nine News, mm-hmm. sitting next to the anchor. And he asked me if I was still enamored with those people, even though I know they were killers. I had to think now, because I don't want to give the wrong answer in front of 20 million people. Of course, yeah. And I say, no, I'm not enamored with them, of course, knowing that they are killers and have killed. But at that point in my life, I didn't know that. Mm -hmm. I had no idea. It wasn't until I was in my late teens and early 20s that I realized the guy that they used to point at, (laughs) used to go into a bar to bring boxes of produce. My dad used to make these boxes around the holidays for seven different guys. And I would bring them to the bars, and guys sit at the end of the bar, forget about his name, it doesn't matter. But he'd have a big, one of them big glass crystal ashtrays. He'd have four or five different cigars, different kinds of cigars, half lit, half smoked, with a bottle of JB Scotch and a glass of ice. Hold him court, and all the guys would come and be bringing the envelopes in, and he'd be up, up, and he'd be pop, pop. You go in there the next day, if he's got no ashtray, and he's drinking Mountain Valley spring water, don't take no rides with him because he's getting ready to go to work. And his yeah. work, apparently, was to end other people's he's lives. He's a hitman. And he wanted to do it sober. So wow. I got to meet... Yeah, how about <laughs> it? I think you need at least a couple it? of shots before. <laughs> yeah, how about it's really... It? And it's like, you know, and here, how about this? Try to reach into a, a, a guy who... Hurts people for a living. And hopefully none of us can really think like that. I can't. Yeah. I could never take money to hurt somebody. I could hurt somebody if they hurt my family or if they hurt my wife or if they hurt my yeah, mother or father. And go out and have a pizza. Or, or if it's a defense. <laughs> you know what have I mean? A, have a pizza. And I'm saying, I mean, I could hurt somebody easy, but I could yeah, hurt no, somebody. Yeah, no, but for someone, someone you don't know or. Yeah. <laughs> if they make an Italian uh, beef sandwich. Yeah. Bread. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? So That's a Chicago thing. I can't. I can't get my hands around that, doing that for a living. But by the same token, they didn't do that around us. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? That wasn't their job. Yeah, they so you, no you saw there were like the real characters of the people Here, that were able to do that kind of... Two guys in a car. Two guys sitting next to each other. Now they're waiting to do something that's obviously illegal and obviously against us as Catholics. They're going to go hurt somebody. That's what they're there to do. Yeah. Guy A says to guy B, I'm a little hungry. Why don't you go over there and get us a couple sandwiches? Guy B gets out of the car, goes four or five doors down, and goes and gets two sausage sandwiches with sweet peppers, two cups of black coffee. Guy A opens up the sandwich and says, Oh, there's sausage in this sandwich. It's Ash Wednesday. You can't eat sausage. Take the sausage out. They throw the sausage out on the street. They eat the peppers and the bread. They drink their coffee. And they go commit capital murder. But they're raised Catholic, and oh they won't God. eat a piece of sausage <laughs> on Ash Wednesday. See, that's a nah, story right nah. there. 
Come on. <laughs> and, and, and if you tell people that, you think I made it up? 50 guys. That's nuts. That's nuts. He won't eat sausage. Won't eat sausage. You, you, you would never think that. You see the Virgin Mary. Hold on. But, again, I escaped that life. Thanks to my dad's ability to reach back into that life. You know, last time when I got in trouble with that that five years thing from my uncle Tony. Time before that, I had done something really dumb, and then I did something dumber when I confessed because I was no criminal. I had no mm-hmm. idea about the criminal laws. So when they told me that they had me on a flunk lie detector test, I said, oh, "I'm screwed now." So I fessed up. Micah. Yeah, I saw that. I, I got saw video. I got a question too back to your story with the sandwich. Like I remember in the Sopranos, he's talking about how it's like we're soldiers. You know what I mean? Like everybody who's involved knows what they're involved in. Do you think that's the reason why they didn't feel bad, or is it just well, I think you know what I mean? Or why were these pe- why were these business. yeah why were these people able to? It was business. Yeah, it was business. Hey, you know that's what I'm saying. So a guy who killed people for a living, I'm positive that we and he said we meaning the whole entire crew we never killed nobody didn't need killing. Now, it's unfortunate that they thought of themselves as judge, jury, and executioner. Mm-hmm. But for the most part, guys are the people we're talking about right now sitting here did not kill civilians, did not kill people who didn't have it coming. Yeah. They killed guys who didn't pay their debts. They killed guys who were going to speak about this life out of school. They killed guys who violated the rules that, you, that you're supposed to adhere to mm-hmm. when you join up for that life. And, I mean, you join up, too. I mean, you make promises. You make oaths. I mean, it's if you're a made guy, I mean, even if it's silly to the people on the outside looking in, you, you, you create a, a, I mean, you've got a bond with these guys. You have, you have made and taken an oath. Not the, I mean, just like, you know, people get married and divorced five, six, seven times. Now, I was yeah. divorced once, and I, I, I didn't especially care for it, but I understood it. My poor wife, the first time, she had three kids plus me. That was bad for her. That's four kids. That's bad for her. And I was in my mob adjacent days when I would, you know, be disappearing for a couple of days at a time. We've been at home with three kids, and I was a bad guy. Yeah. But here we are today talking about my book, Mob Adjacent, which hopefully mm-hmm. we can get a publisher deal. Mm-hmm. Yeah, let's talk, about, yet, the, let's talk gonna... about the book a little bit. Yeah. What, uh, now, let's say if I'm a, a listener, why should I buy this book right here? What could you tell? What I would say a, is, a potential what I would purchaser. say is, it's a. It's a it's a real story about two Italian kids from the western suburbs of Chicago looking out over the top of a fence. You know what I say? It says the Wonder Years meets the Sopranos. We think our lives is the Wonder Years. We're, we're raised in, we got everything we need and we got this tiny little house and we're going to Catholic schools and our mother's a stay-at-home mom and our dad's running this nightclub and we might as well be Ricky, no, you know, we yeah, might as well yeah, be yeah. Ozzy and Harriet's kid, but we don't know. <laughs> and then as we start to feather out into the neighborhood, mm-hmm. we realize that we're indeed different. Mm-hmm. And for us, it was indeed different good because we only benefited, we Gentiles only benefited from the good that the Chicago outfit provided. We only benefited from the good. We didn't benefit from any of the... Any of the bad. Any of the bad at all. You know, we didn't see the the poor people who were murdered. We didn't see the people who got killed because they needed killing. You know, so we didn't really understand that part of it. You saw, the you saw the, yeah. uh, the sparkles of it, That's like the saw. nice cars, That's what yeah. we saw. nice outfits. That's what we saw, the nice clothes, 
the pockets full of money. Uh, yeah. They're not having to get up at the 2 big, o'clock. The big work. smile. Hey, exactly. It kind of reminds me of the movies. because we, we, we saw, or I saw things like, those same guys not making it through their 30s. Yeah. You know what I mean? So for me, the last wake-up call, fortunately, was the last wake-up call for trying to live that kind of life. I've been 20 years now doing what I do. And, again, very fortunate to have reached the absolute top of what we do in Chicago mm-hmm. because of years and years and years. And if, if, if we just want to take and make our success based on pay, I, I can't be any better than where I'm at now doing what I do. Uh, this book is, was a hobby that has now turned into Maybe something that can generate some revenues. Making some yeah, money Mike, at uh, least. And that's what I'm but, saying, uh, Mike. Uh, want to touch on, too, like your website, maybe where you can get the book, what, well, you, what the, else the you guys are doing, the whole on, brand, you know? Yeah, the book is available on our website. It, it's mobadjacent.com. Uh, we've also got all kinds of mobadjacent gear, as you can see. We've got some shirts. We've got some different kind of stuff mm-hmm. that isn't necessarily mobadjacent related, but people seem to be catching on. Uh, you can also buy the book on Amazon. Mm-hmm. Uh, but again, our hope, awesome. our hope is to get it off of Amazon and to find it in Walgreens and to in find it. In yeah, that's a dream. I that's said a... I could see that cover as a billboard. Yeah, I love, I love the the black boxes over the eyes. Like, I mean, that's just something they used to do. Like people yeah. aren't going to notice the people because exactly. they're like, yeah, it'll definitely you know stand stand out if it but is. Again, I, I appreciate you guys bring, bringing this whole thing to the forefront. I I appreciate you taking time out of your day. Are you kidding me? Any any time you guys need to do something, boom. Anytime you guys need to do something, you can always count me in. As long as he's in, I'm in. Awesome. Gotcha. I already got a son named Mike, so now that's my step stepson named Mike. <laughs> Mike's everywhere, but there's Mike's everywhere. I got a grandson named Mike, a son named Mike. I got Mike's everywhere. Yeah, usually how I know. It goes. I'm surrounded by Mike's. Bunch of Mike's, yeah. But yeah, thank you again. Um, this was awesome. Yeah. I, yeah. I wish you the best. I hope we really do get these sto- this book in stores, and uh, we gotta keep spreading the culture, man. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no definitely. The gap between ages, like I mean, how, how old are you? I'm I'm 28. Okay, so he's 23. Yeah. Right? So you mean you know I, I stepped yeah. way out. I mean, there's got to be a bunch of guys in between us. Mm-hmm. But I can tell you one thing: the end result. Well, the problem is that our generation communicates with yours, and we learn from. Well, you know, you know yeah, there's, there's some things. There's some things that, no matter how hard, I would be able to try and explain it to you. There's no. Nothing could beat living it, explaining it, Absolutely. telling yeah. the stories, but li- the memories living here. through it. You know, for me, this again. You know, we talk about it, and I think, you know, left left turn instead of a right turn when I'm 25 years old, this conversation probably don't exist. Yeah, true. You know, my father telling me that what's right and what's wrong, and me always thinking that the flashy was right. <laughs> yeah, well, Uncle Tony not uh, having your back. <laughs> yeah, Uncle Tony had my back for a long time. Mm-hmm. But you know, anything you guys need, you know, going forward, if you know if this thing works out the way you're planned. And you want to do something else? Absolutely, we'll do, do this it. again. Yeah, we'll do a part two. Of course. Anytime you guys are cool. ready, let's get this thing out there. Uh, mm-hmm. I mean, listen, it's with TV producers. It's with uh, people who do sitcoms. So, I mean, we've got it placed. It's just a matter of catching yeah, it's, a, it's a v- fish right now. Absolutely. So, I mean, for just starting out a little bit ago, too, and like you said, I mean, you guys didn't even really plan on doing the book at first. 
for what it's Mike, already taken off to. 30, yeah, 30,000 on Facebook, a yeah, couple I'm thousand on Instagram. This, I'll follow you too, and we're going to do a little shout out too. Yeah, that's awesome. And like I say, you know, Mike is the one who's doing everything for us, so he'll know how to shout you back and Absolutely, forth. Absolutely, yeah. And make us, make us be as, as Mike, effective for each other Mike's as Mike's very can. good in, uh, at social media, so you're good <laughs> Thank at Thank you. Yeah, appreciate it, man. He has a beautiful, beautiful <laughs> warehouse. You guys yes, gotta, got it. You got to buy some gear from both of these guys. Mm -hmm. But uh, hey, I'm, cool I'm honored to be here with two Chicago legends. And, uh, legends? Soon to be legends. Soon to be legends. I'm no legend yet. And uh, if you guys want to check out this book, it looks awesome. The cover's awesome. Um, support the culture and buy from your own people. That's, I like that. I like that. I'm, I yeah. want to end it on that. You know, like, yeah. That's did, perfect. You know, you buy, yeah. buy it from your own people and, and, and see how, how your life is adjacent to ours. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Because yeah. it is. It is. I mean, everybody, and again, there's not an Italian person from a neighborhood. Forget about suburban Italians. They're a little bit different. But Italian people from a Berwyn, from a Grand Avenue, from where you're talking about. There's Different. nothing like it. Everybody's got a mob adjacent story. Mm -hmm. Everybody had an Uncle Rocky. Everybody had an Uncle Tony. Mm -hmm. You know, or, or the neighbor. Remember That's what I'm saying. It's with the big Cadillac and he'd have all the stuff. You know, and, and, I can relate to that kind of stuff. No, exactly. You know? It's a part of, culture. you know, yeah, it's a part of the culture. Just, you know what I mean? Some people, because I know some people, with, when they talk about the mafia stuff, they kind of get turned off. Huh? They kind of get turned off, but it's like at the same time, well, it no, happened, it was there. You know what I mean? Learn about it, know about it. And, and, and the thing is, Nothing that any of us could do or could have done would have changed that. Mm -hmm. That was a society that was bound to make it because people always have needs above and beyond their needs. Yes. Yep. And that's I what those say people That's the way to describe it for sure. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. 100%. But anyway, again, thank you guys so much yeah. for the shout-out on the book. Mm -hmm. And I'll keep you guys posted. Mike will keep you posted. And Absolutely. Anytime we want to go after this dog again, let's go get it. Let's do it. Sounds good. Let's go eat awesome. some Italian beef sandwiches. <laughs> yeah. Let's go. Let's yeah, <laughs> yeah. Thank you guys there for tuning go. in. All right. Thank you. Okay. One, two. All right. There you go.